Life is full of what ifs. Some awesome, like what if AI could fold your laundry? And some, well, less awesome, like what if you have unexpected medical costs? United Healthcare can help get you covered with Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans. They supplement your primary plan to help you manage out of pocket costs. No deductibles, no enrollment periods, and especially no more what ifs. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Good evening, all, and welcome to episode three of the Anfield Index Legends podcast. Tonight, we will be talking everything his airness, Air Jordan, Michael Jordan himself. And I have two awesome guests, two basketball nuts who are happy to come on. My first guest is very well known to basically everybody on Twitter. Usually, you hear him talking football. I'll say football for you people. Um, but tonight, he's going to talk some basketball with Dave Hendricks. How you doing, Dave? I'm good, Joe. Thanks for having me on. And I've been looking forward to coming on the Legends podcast, and obviously Jordan's the ideal one to come on for. Yeah, I totally agree. And my other guest is my fellow American, Justin Wells. Hey, Joe. How's it going? Um, I'm also excited to talk about Michael Jordan. I get to come from this side of uh, a man with an extraordinary begrudging respect, and I have to emphasize grudge in the word begrudging more than anything. <laughs> yeah, this is this is tough for Justin to come on. A, I give him all the credit. There's a decade of bitterness just leaking out of him. There, there really is. He, he's Justin is a gigantic Knicks fan. He's a native New Yorker, born and raised, and he still came on to talk about a man who just basically ruined his club for years. So to start with, Dave, why don't you tell me a little bit about Jordan's early years, high school career? You can get into his college career. So. I mean, the thing that comes always comes up with Jordan's high school career is the fact that he got cut because the the coach didn't think he was good enough, and then he grew like six inches the following summer, and he made varsity the next year. And like, there's never really been, I don't think, a definitive book about Jordan the person. Like, we all know the stories and about how competitive he was and how he gambled and anything, but. I think there's been a bit of insecurity about him his whole career as well. I think he always wants people to have a certain idea about him. And I think it's come from that. I think the fact that he went home and probably got laughed at by, you know, his brothers and stuff for getting caught and his friends probably made fun of him as well because he'd probably been talking himself up. And I think he, at that point, he probably decided, well, that is the last time anyone is ever going to say I'm not good enough. And you look through his career and any time anybody's said, you know, maybe Jordan can't do this, maybe Jordan can't do that, he's gone out of his way to try and prove them wrong. Even, the, you know, the failed baseball stint, which, if you consider it in real terms, he didn't really fail. To, to do what he did at his age, having not played baseball in 15 years, was actually really impressive. Um, and he did that because he had this stubbornness and this just desire to always be able to prove people wrong and always be able to do whatever he wanted to be like to do. He goes to college and, it, you know, he goes to North Carolina. He plays under Dean Smith, one of the most, you know, storied coaches in the history of college basketball. And the only man who could keep him under 30 a game. Pretty That's much. Yeah. 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 By, by, limit, by, by limiting them. Um, 
And, you know, and he plays in a team that has another future Hall of Famer there, James Worthy, on the wing. So can you just even just picture for a second, you're a wing defender in the ACC in the early 80s. You think you're pretty good. You think you might go to the NBA. And all of a sudden you go up against North Carolina and you've got Jordan at the two and James Worthy at the three. You are getting torched no matter what happens. But like that's where the, the legend really began. He made that clutch shot to win them the, the title. Uh, one of the first times he'd break Patrick Ewan's heart. And, I mean, from there, it, it just snowballed into this incredible story that we'll probably never see the like of again. I mean, there's obvious parallels with LeBron and with Kobe, but they didn't go to college. They don't have that signature college moment that Jordan has as well as they don't have the NBA career that he has. But like he, he was a star coming into the league because he performed at the college level, which back then was incredibly tough. Like Back then, everyone was going to college for three or four years. There was none of this one-and-done nonsense. It was three or four years, and it was, like, it was real basketball. There was real players there who could actually play, guys who would go into the pros and average 20 the next year, the likes of Barkley, Ewing, Elijah Wan, you know, all the legends that we, you know, enjoyed watching in the late 80s and early 90s. They were all in college together. So for him to go and win a national championship in that era of competition was was huge. Even though North Carolina have always been a powerhouse and always will be, it's still huge to win a national championship, especially back then when you had such competition. Yeah, he was he was a I mean, he ended up being a really really good college player. I mean, he he was the definition of amazing talent but also amazing work ethic. So, Justin, what do you feel about that? I mean, it's, it's obviously at this point the legend and lore that you can't really disagree with that. But one thing you also have to add in that is that Jordan also had the strength of character to go represent his country uh, in the Olympics back when it was not just a dream team playing. Jordan was a member of the 84, uh, the 84 team that won the uh, Olympic gold. And I mean, look, there are some phenomenal players on that particular team. You had Chris Mullen there. You had Michael Jordan, as you know, obviously. You had Patrick Ewing. He, he's a player who, once he actually really got into the flow and the consciousness of people early on before his NBA career, they knew there might be something to this guy. But the thing that's always going to be amazing to me is going from college to the NBA. Uh, the New Jersey Nets took Sam Bowie ahead of Michael Jordan in the draft. <laughs> I don't know how yeah. – it's one of the most indefensible draft moves in history is Jordan going after Bowie. I get taking Olajuwon before Jordan. Mm. Is Olajuwon as good a player as Jordan was? No, but still Olajuwon's a top he's still a 20 top player five, of all Sam. time. Yeah, he's a top yeah. 20 player of all time. He won two ranks. He won two ranks. Sure. Sam Bowie was a terrible player. Jordan is probably the greatest player who's ever lived. The other thing about that – that Olympic team that you mentioned, I don't know if you guys have ever seen it, Isaiah Thomas on um, Open Court, NBA Open Court on TNT, talking about that 1984 Olympic team and how the pros would go down, I think it was Phoenix or somewhere they were practicing, and the pros would go, like the best pros would go and practice against these guys and kind of get them ready for the Olympics. And he said when he walked in... Um, Coach Bob Knight was the head coach of the the, the U.S. team. And he, he coached Isaiah in, in, in college at Indiana. And he walked over and he nudged him and he went, pointed at Jordan. He's like, this one here, he's a little different. This one's a little different. So, you know, they were dunking and whatever. And Isaiah said, oh, well, you could see that he had this real spring and he could glide through the air. And it was, you know, really impressive. But a lot of guys can dunk and look flashy. And he said they just they started playing and he's like, the pros were just looking at each other going, holy shit, who, the, who is this guy? He's, he was just torching them, like torching them. And this is a guy who's not even, wasn't even a senior in college. He came out after his junior year. So he's a junior in college. He's 21 years of age. These are seasoned pros, the best the NBA had to offer. And this kid is just wiping the floor with them. And Isaiah said they walked away thinking this guy is going to run this league. This is his league whenever he wants it because he's just too talented and he wants it too much. And that's a 21. That's years before Phil Jackson got hold of him, years before he got Scottie Pippen with him and, and, you know, really took over the league. 
Isaiah Thomas. They they knew then this guy was going to be the best. Yeah, and that's 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 actually a really good point about not having um, Coach Jackson. That's not having Pippen. I mean, his early years. I think his rookie year, he averaged what twenty eight a game. I mean, it's eighty four, eighty five with the Bulls. And in those early years, you know, he was basically a stud as soon as he came in the league. But he was branded a big, selfish player. And there was a team they could really never beat. That team was the Detroit Pistons. It took him forever. So, Josh, do you want to talk about his early years in the NBA and his struggles a little bit? Not necessarily struggles in scoring the ball or anything, but being a good teammate and getting far into the playoffs and not winning championships quite yet. So you see this with some young players when they get into the NBA. Jordan actually is probably the most, you know, I, I want to say hyper-obvious example of this. You're so athletic and you're so good that you never have to really rely on developing your overall game. So if you look at Jordan's early career, rookie year goes out, wins a rookie of the year averaging 28.2 points a game. Next year goes out, breaks his foot, only plays 18 games, scores 22 a game. Over the course of the next six years of his career, averages 37.1 a game, 35.0 a game, 32.5, 33.6, 31.5, 30.1, 32.6. Now, as his scoring subsided a little bit, which is the last three years, within which he still scored 31, 30, and 32 a game, that's when the Bulls started to win was actually with him scoring less and contributing more to allowing his teammates to do more, trusting more. A lot of that comes with the rise of Pippen and Horace Grant and B.J. Armstrong and that original Bulls three-peat team. But Jordan's uh, game didn't need to develop so much until he actually lost some of that spring in athleticism. And that's when you really start getting into the Jordan that everybody knows is this true, just cutthroat competitor. I will do whatever it takes to win. Sometimes that even means passing the ball off. Two of the most famous plays of Jordan's career are passes to Steve Kerr and John Paxson. The mm-hmm. ice finals games. Yeah. Absolutely. Can we also point out that like those scoring averages that jo- Justin has just mentioned, they're incredible. They were before the three-point shot really became a thing. Yeah. So he wasn't shooting threes. And they're with the old rules, which made it much easier for defenses because the game was more physical. You know, you could hand check like and these guys couldn't keep him in front of him, even being able to hand-check him. If Jordan played today, he'd average 40, in my view. I don't, I don't even think he'd be close. I think he'd just dominate the league. I think he'd be even better now because of how the league has gone and because of how easy it is for guys to score. I think he'd be incredible. I think he'd, he'd wipe out Kareem's scoring record. If Jordan had come into the league when LeBron came into the league, I think we'd be looking at Jordan getting close to Kareem within the next year or two. Well, the other thing that also needs to be mentioned, too, is the incredible durability that Jordan had. Aside from his second season in the league where he only, as I mentioned, played 18 games, he managed to play between 78 and 82 games, basically missing. He missed roughly a game every other season. Mm. Yeah, it's pretty amazing. It's incredible. Absolutely incredible. So much of it is due to the insane, insane work ethic to just keep himself in shape, to just play constantly and just be so, so, so far ahead of everybody. Because Jordan was another another thing that people need to bring up about him when it comes to his style of play. He wasn't one of these guys who you can just say only contributed on the offensive end. Like You could say that about a guy like Dominique Wilkins or a guy like Carmelo Anthony, and that's why they never won. Well, with Michael mm. Jordan, you're talking about a guy who is a first-team NBA All-Defensive player, I think nine times in his career. Nine he, times. Yeah. He yep. won and he won a Defensive Player of the Year award at a position mm. where you don't typically win Defensive Player of the Year awards. Two guards don't typically do that. True. No. And the thing is, he potentially could have won a couple more Defensive Player of the Year awards, but because he had arguably the greatest wing defender ever, beside him in Scotty, he wasn't having to do as much of the defensive work. Now, when it came time to shut teams down, Jordan shut them down with Pippen, with Rodman in later years. You know, Ron Harper was a very good defensive player as well. They could go and shut teams down. 
But that was one of the great things that Jerry Krause did was he knew that Jordan was a great defender, but he didn't want him having to expend all that energy. So he put other great defenders around him. Like Horace Grant, exceptional defender, and Scottie Pippen on that first team. And on the second team, like I mentioned, Harper, Pippen again, and Rodman. You don't, yeah, you don't see that anymore. Like You don't see teams that have three legit all-NBA defensive players. No, you team. really you really don't. And the and the really big point I took from that is that Jordan did have Pippen, and Pippen's an all time great. But he never did and, and maybe this is a, a slight on LeBron, maybe it's not. He never did the I'm gonna gang up with stars and we're gonna win championships. No, no he didn't need and to. That, and that's that's that that's 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 basically says everything about Michael Jordan right there. Hmm. Well, you could you could argue also, and, and a lot of people say this. And Pippen kind of did prove it wrong in the one year Jordan took off, and showed that he is a Hall of Fame caliber and his own player and his own right. But a lot of what you look at with Scottie Pippen was this is a small college player. Never like he played in the NAIA, which if you're not familiar with American college athletics, um, the NCAA runs basically all major athletics, and then there are tiny and and, and this is across divisions one, two, and three. So Division One are the big schools you heard of, and then two and three are the smaller schools. The NAIA is in schools that are way smaller than even Division Three. Pippen came from an NAIA school. This is not a guy it's, who was it, highly sought, who was highly recruited, sought after, found by NBA GMs. He was a diamond in the rough, but playing with Jordan developed Pippen. Yeah, very much so. And I think that's one of the other things Jordan did was he just made other people better. He did it because, like Pippen, he bonded with them. Or like guys like Luke Longley, he just threatened them. And he put fear into them. And he told them, if you don't start catching the ball, I'm going to start throwing it at your head. And then we'll see you catch the ball. And Luke Longley, he was never a, a top player, but he developed into a solid player. Tony Kukoc came into the league big star in Europe, had this reputation, but he was soft. And Jordan and Pippen bullied him. And they admit that they bullied him. But it made him a better player. It made him a really good player. And like, if you think about it realistically, the Bulls were the first team to play a small ball death lineup because they used to go with Rodman at the five, Kukoc the four, Scotty the three, Jordan the two, and Ron Harper at the one, or Steve Kerr at the one. And they used to just wipe the floor with teams. But they were doing that in the 80s with the old rules, playing 82 games a year, each of them, playing heavy minutes every night. Mm-hmm. They didn't have the cushiness of, of what there is today. They didn't have you know, the same advantages in terms of nutrition, in terms of you know, recovery te- technology and stuff like that. But they were doing it then, and they were incredible. But like we've jumped, I'm jumping ahead there, obviously. But you look back at, at when Jordan and Pippen got together, and like Justin mentioned, he came from a, uh, Pippen came from an NAIA team. That's like Liverpool buying a player from the Championship, or sorry, from from the. It's like Liverpool buying the, a player from the, the non-league Rovers. Yeah, or yeah. Or, or, or below, you know, the non-league yeah. conference, mm-hmm. and putting them next to Firmino, and Firmino helping them become like a, a world-class player. That's what that is. And, and Justin's right. Like, Scotty could never carry a team by himself. He could be a very, very good player. But he wasn't a potential number one guy. Jordan never played with another guy that you'd looked at and thought, well, he could carry his own team. He could get to the finals as the number one guy. I think LeBron has played with guys like that. I think Dwayne Wade. Dwayne Wade won yeah, a title without LeBron. Yeah. And I, yeah. You know, personally, I think Kyrie will win a title without LeBron. I think he's good enough if you put the right people around him to do similar to what James Harden is doing, maybe without the rebounds, but that kind of overall offensive talent. Yeah, he's a fantastic player. You know, Kyrie's unbelievable. He's unbelievably good. And I just think Jordan did so much. And we know the players. The players are, you know, quite well known. But when you really dig into the the squad, like the, the rosters that the Bulls had, after those four, four, five, and six guys, there wasn't really much help. Like, you know, Judd Bushler was <laughs> was a big part of the second trilogy, 
Judge Butch, Judge Butler wasn't any good. He could shoot from you know one spot, but that was a bit it. You know, Bill Cartwright wasn't very good at that point. Won the title with Jordan. You know, these are the type of guys that were put in kind of mishmash. And he was just able to elevate them. And they all wanted to elevate their own games because they didn't want to let them down. Maybe they were afraid of letting them down. Maybe they knew if they at least turned up every day, gave everything they had, they had a chance to win in rings. And rings are really the only thing that matter. Rings are what you get judged on. There's a reason when people talk about the greatest centers of all time, one name that constantly gets off the list, who gets left off the list, who on talent would absolutely be on that list. Based on body work, absolutely on that list, but doesn't have a ring, so doesn't get mentioned. And that's Patrick Ewing. Patrick Ewing is one of the greatest centers to ever play, but he'll never be considered in the true elite because he didn't win a ring. Same with Charles Barkley. Same Carl Malone, I think, as well. Same like, with John Stockton. Me, John Stockton. John Stockton, exactly. Stockton. Yeah. You know? And that's why, you know, when Kevin Garnett got his ring with Boston, as a Timberwolves fan, it was really hard to see him leave. But I wanted to see him go and get that ring because he deserved it, because he is one of the greatest players ever. But without that ring, he wouldn't have been considered the way he now is and and a lot of those lesser guys like Steve Kerr for example he's got five rings he's was never more than the seventh or eighth best guy in any team he played on but he's got five rings and you know at the end of the day nobody can take them away from him he has three because of Jordan and he will openly admit that Michael Jordan made him because of as Justin mentioned earlier on or maybe it was you uh, Joey, but that the pass to Kerr against Utah is one of the all-time moments in, in the history of the NBA. Steve Kerr is always going to be known for that shot from behind where Jordan finds him open and Kerr hits the open jumper. Kerr is, you know, immortalized because of that shot. But it was Jordan who did it because Jordan created the double team and found him open. Haven't told him, I'm going to get double, you get open. You know, you listen to the great man, you, you, good things happen. Yeah, I mean, I, I've watched a lot of sports in my life, just like you guys have too. And um, Dave, you come from a different area than Justin and I do, obviously. And you've watched tons and tons and tons of soccer slash football. I don't know if I've ever, off the top of my head, seen a, a better leader, a more competitive man in my life. Justin, you? In, in, in any sport, anywhere? Only other guy I can think of is another guy who's caused me a lot of pain, Tom Brady. That's the only other guy I think I've seen in his sport over the course of his career recently where his competitiveness and ability to build build up you know, lesser teammates has, uh, has mm-hmm. really transcended that. But with Jordan, there's something there that nobody else also has, which is Jordan has one of the biggest cults of personality of anybody in major American sports ever. Like, it, it, it is the biggest one. Air Jordan, his airness, the Jumpman symbol. Everybody knows yeah. it. Everybody. All over the Everybody world. Everybody all over the world knows Michael Jordan. Yeah. I mean, his cultural impact is... I mean, we'll, we'll talk about his cultural impact. Dave, I mean, he had shoes, Gatorade, I mean, you name it. Everywhere. Like Just met- the, only, the only other names I'd put on that list with Jordan and Brady would be Roy Keane of Manchester United. Another good shot. And... Graeme Souness of Liverpool. Okay. Um, just guys who would command a room who others would follow. Like there's, there's a great saying that, you know, a leader with no followers is just a fellow going for a walk. Jordan's team would have followed him wherever he wanted them to go. If Jordan had asked them all to give up basketball and go play baseball with him, they probably would have done it. He had that. He was like a cult leader. Like those guys worshipped him because you know they, these guys know where their bread is buttered. They know that without him, they're not getting the good contracts. You know, they're scratching around for ten days or they're signing one years. You know, for minimal guaranteed money on the on the back end. These guys knew that you get you get in the bus with Jordan, and good things can happen. And you know, he, not only will he will he help you win, but he'll set you up for life because. Jordan was always the type of guy who was very loyal to people that were loyal to him. 
And I think, uh, you know, hearing what Jerry Krause had to say over the years, Jordan would basically walk into the office and tell him, these guys are getting renewed for next year, and then just walk out. And Krause would just have to do it, because he, he couldn't afford to annoy Jordan. Couldn't afford to have, you know, in the end, those two hated each other. But he had to do what Jordan said. Jordan was the one running things. And that's Jordan early on. That's, yeah. Well, I mean... <laughs> Like, there's something, though, you mentioned those scoring titles, or the, the, those scoring averages, Justin, and you, and you think of what what Detroit put him through. And as many people have said, every team played like that. It wasn't just the, the, the Pistons, but the Pistons embraced it, and they had the, the personalities and the attitude. And it helps when you've got, like, a seven-foot bully like Bill Lambeer, who's a posh, you know, rich boy, who's the biggest scumbag in the league, and everybody hates He's a nice figurehead to have for your bad boys. But, I mean, what Jordan was put through by, you know, defense after defense, night after night, you see these guys that play now. I mean, they're, they're great players, you know, Kevin Durant and Steph and, you know, James Harden. These guys would have curled up back then. I think I think Russell Westbrook would have, would have survived because I think he's just got that mentality. I think he's got a lot of that Jordan mentality in him where – He'll do whatever it takes to win. I don't think he's figured out the key part, though, which is helping your teammates to help you. Um, LeBron has finally figured that out. He figured that out in Miami. He didn't. Ha- he didn't understand that before when he was in Cleveland the first time. He didn't understand that. He thought he had to do it all. He also was playing with uh, the effective oh, equivalent of a pile of garbage. Yeah, with scrubs. He, he was. There's no question. Um, and and to, for him to have even gotten that team. To an NBA final was an incredible achievement. Maybe, maybe the biggest achievement of his career, which sounds ludicrous given he's won three rings. But when you look at that team, I mean, the only person I can ever think of getting a bigger pile of garbage to the NBA final is Allen Iverson. Well, you know the common tie there, and this is where it makes it the most important achievement possible. Allen Iverson and LeBron James are the only two people who ever took Eric Snow to an NBA final. <laughs> That's, the great that's, Eric Snow. <laughs> I actually met Eric Snow one time at a Philadelphia restaurant. Nice guy, but I hear he's a real. I've heard he's, he's a really very nice guy. guy. Could, he's incredible, but he's below yeah, average NBA point guard. Oh, very much so. Yeah, and he wasn't much taller than me, and I'm about six one. So I, I, I obviously very remember much that. Remember that, but you know what? Much, so. He's the type of guy Jordan would have loved as well because he just put his head down. He did his work. He stood where he was told to stand. He turned up every night and gave everything he had. And that's what players like Iverson, like LeBron, and of course, like Jordan, that's what they want. That's the guys they want around them. Now, Jordan doesn't want him as one of his starting five. Those two guys had to put up with him in their starting five. But, um, like, Jordan, like, I mean, the the, the off-court stuff with Jordan, the money, is mind-blowing. You know, like Justin mentioned, the Jumpman logo, arguably the most famous logo in all of, you know, sports apparel, the famous story about when he was meeting with Nike and Adidas had made him an offer and Nike were unsure if they could, could match it. And Jordan just rolled a car across the table. He's like, I just want to buy a car. And Nike were like, look, we'll help you buy a million cars. You sign with us, we're going to build the brand. And he, that's the thing. He, Nike are probably the number one brand today. And it's all because of Michael Jordan. Like, they were nothing before him. Now, like, he's got, obviously, he's got his own Jordan brand, which is part of the Nike umbrella. But, you know, it's it's just incredible what he, like, his cultural impact in terms of every kid wanted to have Air Jordans. And that that comes to Ireland as well. Like that's the thing. This is like you guys are American, so it's much more prevalent for you. It's on TV every day, the ads and everything. You you know you see the games. At home, we're reading box scores that are maybe a week old, and you're just hearing. You're seeing. You're getting a poster. I had cousins in Boston um, that used to send home stuff. I had cousins in Australia who, when they'd come home, they'd always fly through America, and they'd come home with you know the latest Jordans. And they'd leave their old ones, like which would be the previous years, they'd leave them to me because they were a couple of years older than me. So, you know, they'd grow out of them and they'd fit me. And, you know, everything about 
Michael Jordan was just it was cool. And that's the thing. Even people that didn't like basketball knew that Michael Jordan was cool. And when you're 10 or 12, being cool is what it's all about. So if you had Air Jordans and were considered cool, you know, it was a, it was kind of a big thing. And like that's it was Jordan that for me that got me into the NBA. And because he was the first one that really kind of brought it internationally to to Ireland and stuff. Obviously, the Olympics in in '92 were a huge part. That team was built around him. It was you know, I mean, so built around him that he was able to have Isaiah Thomas completely yeah, excommunicated from the Olympics. Exactly, structure. a guy yeah. who unquestionably yeah. should have been on that team. And like Jordan, I don't, I don't, I think he finally admitted it publicly, but for years he, he refused to admit that it was him. Scotty Pippen, all credit to him, was happy to say he didn't want Isaiah on the team, but really, really, if it came down to a choice between Scotty and Isaiah, you're picking Isaiah, you know, a hundred times out of a hundred. Isaiah is a top five point guard of all time. Um, Scotty's great and all, but he's not Isaiah Thomas. It was Jordan that stopped. Isaiah been on that team. It was Jordan that convinced Charles Barkley to be on the team. It was Jordan that, you know, when he signed on, that Magic Johnson signed on, that Larry Bird, who had no right being there with the amount of pain that guy was in with his back, he didn't want to be there. But because Jordan was going and then Magic was going, Larry had to go. And, you know, if you, if you hear the, if you read the book when the game was ours, Magic and, and Larry, like, they basically say, like, if, if Michael hadn't gone, we wouldn't have gone. And that just tells the impact that he had, not only on fans like us, you know, bringing new fans, growing the game, but also on his peers. Magic and Larry, you you pick anybody in the world who knows the NBA and ask them for their top ten all the time, and Magic and Larry are in that top ten. Anybody, they're in the top, top five. Yeah, yeah, you know what I mean. They're, they're, that's it, and. <laughs> the impact that Jordan had on them, that to me is is what sets him apart. Because I don't know that any player ever has had that sort of impact on his peers, where they all knew. Like, you look at the NBA now, and I think I reckon Kevin Durant thinks he's the best player in the NBA. I reckon Steph Curry thinks the same. Russell Westbrook thinks the same. James Harden thinks the same. LeBron's the best player in the NBA, but all these other guys are convinced that they're the best. But you go back 20 years ago, and they all knew. They all knew. Michael Jordan is the best player in the league, and all the rest of us are just you know, shouting out for second place. I don't think there's ever been a time where it's been like that, ever, in any sport. Oh, I, I can't think of one either, because even with, you know, you bring up the other guy that I brought up, Tom Brady... At the same time, Peyton Manning has been there alongside him the entire way. And there are people who will argue that they think that Peyton Manning's better. Uh, I'd like to believe that argument due to once again my, you know, the fact that I'm not a New England Patriots fan by any stretch of the imagination. But I just can't because there's too much evidence of, you know, Brady winning when Manning didn't. Mm. And you could throw all the statistics you want out at some point. Winning is what's important. There's a lot of Green Bay Packers fans that will try and tell you that Aaron Rodgers is the best. Yeah, absolutely. And there's an yeah, argument, but that's ridiculous. it's the same, but it's a similar thing with Jordan. Nobody would ever say that. Nobody would say that, no. you know, maybe you would have said for the one year when Jordan had come back for seven, but for 17 games that Elijah was the best player in this league. Yeah. But yeah. the bulls came back the next year and won 72 games. Exactly. Yep. And I think if you asked, if you asked those, if you could give those guys in that rockets team, a true, a truth serum and say, do you really think you'd have won the t- those titles if Jordan was in the league those two years? I don't think they'd say yes. I think they'd say maybe, but I don't think they'd say yes because they know that they got their chance because Jordan walked away for two years or a year and a half. They know that. And like what he was able to do in coming back the way he did had that big night at the Garden as he always did. Obviously, they, they came up short against against Orlando. That what should have been. I mean, that Orlando team should have been the next great team. Until what we just seen with the with the Oklahoma, with OKC falling apart, with with KD leaving and Serge getting traded all after the the Harden trade. 
like that team should have won multiple titles, but that Orlando team, like you're talking the best center in the league as he became in Shaq and potentially the best point guard in the league in, in Penny. I know Penny had the injuries, but those two guys, and you ask anyone, how do you start a team? Forget, forget the individuals. You ask anyone, how do you start and build a great NBA team? You get a great center, you get a great point guard. They got that. And they, they just threw it away. But they, they took out Jordan. They're the only team that can say, we beat the Bulls in the playoffs in the 90s with Michael Jordan. So, you know, while it wasn't Jordan at 100%, still a hell of an achievement. And still, you know, it's still something that Shaq talks about. And Shaq won four rings. And Shaq will still say that's one of the greatest achievements of his career, is knocking out the Bulls. You know, so that, that tells you what, what it meant just to beat them. That it's just different level. They're talking different level. Nobody has ever reached that level. And we're here, what are we, 18 years, 19 years nearly since Jordan retired? Yeah. LeBron James won the title last year. First title in Cleveland in God knows how long. Everybody said if he does this, it's his crown and glory, blah, 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 blah. And the first big LeBron James story after that title, which should have been all about him because they had no right to win that. 3-1 down, you know, Against they the were out team. of it. And, the, you know, the block, all that. What does this mean for you now, LeBron? Oh, I'm chasing Michael Jordan's ghost. Like, are you kidding me? The greatest player of this generation. And the only thing in his mind is he's obsessed with chasing Michael Jordan. And you ask Kobe. Kobe spent his whole career trying to be Michael Jordan. Trying to beat Michael Jordan, like that's the impact. The yeah, two best game over. Yeah, do you know that's it? And and LeBron wears twenty three for Jordan. Mm-hmm. Kobe, you know, tried to copy Jordan's fadeaway. Like, yeah, yeah. The the shot yeah, that like, Jordan used to elongate his career and make hmm. himself more effective was something that Kobe Bryant directly took into his game in order to try to to emulate Jordan. Because yeah. uh, partly also because, you know, there's a strategy to making sure that your shots don't get blocked and saving your but legs. But Kobe was doing that when Kobe was like 21, 22. Jordan didn't develop that shot till he was in his late 20s for the reasons you've mentioned, Justin. Kobe tried to bring that in early purely because Jordan did it. You know, like, and, and that's the thing, like, and every time, you know, every time All-Star Weekend comes around, there's always Jordan stories. Every time it's the dunk contest, it's always Jordan. Jordan, Jordan, Jordan. Like the videos, the talk of the great battles with him and Dominique. And, you know, like he just, he has had an impact on the game that I just can't see anyone ever having in any sport. I mean, even like Pele, like Muhammad Ali and and that in boxing is different because that's an individual sport. It's not a team sport. It's not. You know, there's you know a handful of guys who are at the top at any one time in the NBA. If you're in the NBA and you're a starter in the NBA, there's 150 of you, and you're all really, really good. Like you're the best 150 players in the world. Now, there's obviously levels. Could be is it 160? Is it 32 teams? I don't even know. There's um, 32 teams in the NBA. It is 32. 15, it's 160 it's, players. Yeah, 15, yep. 15, 15 spots, 12 active. Yes. So to be a starter in the NBA, you have to be really, really good. Like the worst starter in the NBA is better than any guy any of us will ever play against. You know. Um. So like that's there's a huge volume of people involved here, and over, you know, the sixty years going back to when Bill Russell was dominating the league, when the NBA really kind of became the NBA, when Red Arbuck changed everything. There's never been anybody who stood out like Jordan, made the impact that Jordan has had. And you can go through the NFL, go through baseball, go through soccer. There's been nobody who's who's dominated in the fashion he's dominated, grown the game in the way he grew the game, and left that lasting impression, not just on the fans, but on on players still talking about him 18 years later as trying to emulate him or just openly doing it, as in Kobe's case by stealing his moves, you know, and it's just incredible. In one way, though, you did just kind of describe Mark McGuire in one way, 
Which I'm not. It has nothing to do with dominance. It's just pe- doing things that people will try to replicate and. Uh, oh, lots of steroids. And lots steroids. of steroids. Lots of steroids. Yeah. <laughs> that was really it. That was what quick I was going shout out to Roger Maris, still the all-time uh, single-season home runs record. Oh, home run record, in my view. Um, yeah, and he, that's that's the thing with Jordan. He, Jordan is the only athlete ever, still to this day, who has still earned probably more money in post-retirement. Mm. That's un- that's unheard of. Nobody does that. He's the only one who I can ever think of who's ever done that. Do you guys remember Peterson's Pro Basketball? The Vaguely. the booklet magazine. Yeah, the, yeah. yeah, 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 yeah. So yeah. I have the I have the entire collection. I bought them off eBay over a couple of years. It cost me a fortune. But with one of them, I got this other magazine that basically listed. It was like it was for Jordan's last year, and it listed the the 80, 97, 98 year, and it listed the players' salaries. And Jordan was making like thirty two or thirty four million dollars that year. Nobody else in the league was getting half that. Jordan was making that kind of money. Well, that and was also because there was a special clause put into one of two clauses put into his contract. Uh, they're the two most Michael Jordan clauses ever. One of which is you can basically be paid whatever you want, regardless of uh, whatever sort of cap or luxury tax pay, uh, structure we have right now. Because I think at that point in time, the NBA was still on a luxury tax system and not on a strict salary cap. Yeah. And that one was effectively you get paid whatever commensurate to any of the TV ratings we bring in. Because Jordan would sell out other arenas. Would sell mm. at every Chicago every Chicago game for 15 years sold out. He yeah. was, he was a, he got effectively just his share of the pie. His his structure and power as an athlete was so complete. Then that's it, and nobody else is doing that. And you mentioned him selling out opposition arenas. We heard about the Warriors selling out opposition arenas. This is one guy who was doing that, not a team. One guy, and he was doing that for years. For, if for Jordan was coming years. to town, yeah. If Jordan was coming to town. It didn't matter if you were the New York Knicks and you were really good or you were the New Jersey Nets and you sucked. Your your arena was going to be full the night Jordan came to town. I mean, you, know, you can talk about me? going to like a New Jersey Nets game. I don't know if, Joey, you've ever been to one. Um, Dave, I'm going to assume that you haven't. I have. No. It was a terrible, terrible fan experience. It's at a, it's, it's at a stadium that always is, is, is buffered by traffic regardless of what time you go. And it just was a rundown, beaten down arena. And do you want to, do you want to you, know a very useless but fun uh, NBA factoid about the New Jersey Nets? The Swamp Dragon. In their, in their. Oh, well, <laughs> the Swamp Dragons thing is like <laughs> Zach Lowe for me is the best journalist regarding NBA. That's his crowning moment. The Swamp Dragons. <laughs> no, in their last season. In New Jersey, before they moved to Brooklyn, there were 32 teams in the league. They made the 33rd most amount through merchandise. The Seattle Supersonics, who no longer existed, were making more money (laughs) through merchandise than the Nets because they sucked so badly and nobody wanted anything to do with them. But, like, that was was it for Jordan. Like, him coming to town meant sold-out gate. People are going to come. They're going to buy stuff, you know. And it was he was he just had that. He was a one man enterprise. Like he was, he was Michael Jordan Limited years beforehand. But that that last year, he made thirty two or thirty four million from playing, and he was making like fifty million off the court. And that's in the nineties. Yeah, guys aren't making that now. Like you know, LeBron's not making that now. So, you know, just a trailblazer, like years before his time and just he's left a legacy that I don't think will ever be touched. And people can talk about, you know, maybe LeBron could have beaten one on one. I I don't care about any of that stuff because it's all it's all nonsense. And LeBron could win six titles. It still won't make him Michael Jordan because Jordan played in six finals. And he won six rings. And he never needed game seven. You know? And he was the MVP of every finals he was in. Of every finals. And he won five NBA Most Valuable Player Awards. And let us all be honest, 
he probably should have won nine or ten. Oh yep. yeah. The only Easy. reason he didn't is because voters got bored. Yep. Absolutely. Like, oh, felt bad for the other players, so gave yeah, it to the Carl guy. Yeah, Carl Malone. Great year. In Carl Malone's house, wherever it is, Carl Malone lives. I'm sure on a big farm because he's a big redneck. There is the 1997 NBA Most Valuable Player Award, and that belongs to Michael Jordan. And the 93 Most Valuable Player Award is in Charles Barkley's house, and that belongs to Michael Jordan. And that's all there is. That's all there is to it. That guy was the best. From probably you could maybe say Isaiah in '89, but from '90 onwards, Jordan was. The, on a, a level that nobody has ever seen before and nobody has ever reached since and probably never will. Yeah, no, you're totally right. I mean, his he Jesus transcended the game. And that's you have a player maybe once in a generation who does that. But to switch it up a little bit, do you do you guys feel that his gambling, his controversy taint now I know it doesn't taint his on court basketball accomplishments, but and he, he was notorious for being kind of a, a, a kind of an asshole. But does that taint anything for you? His gambling? No, it, 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 it doesn't hurt anybody. So, I mean, if it was you know, if it was someone else had been getting hurt, or if his family were suffering as a result of it, then you know maybe. But they weren't, and uh, that's obviously the the very funny conspiracy theory that the reason Jordan went to play basketball, went to play baseball, was because David Stern. Threw him out of the league. Well, um, there's also we'll never... the more sinister one, which is his father was killed to settle one of his yeah. gambling debts. But I think yeah, that, that one seems I mean, so far fetched. Yeah, a, a man with that much money isn't going to let his father die over a gambling debt. That's it. You know, they. they I, I remember reading that Jordan was maybe 15 million in debt at one point, but he was earning like 25 million a year at the time. So, you know, he'd have had it paid off within 12 months. Uh, all all these stories came out, and th- I think a lot of them came from a jealousy towards him and towards you know how successfully he was, and the the fact that this was a, a you know a black man who was the most well known, most famous, most revered athlete in America didn't sit well with a lot of people, um, and I think a lot of stories came from that because people weren't happy to see this guy do well. Um, and, and they wanted to make up things. I mean, you know, we see it about other people, uh, who, who have become successful and others might not want them to be successful. The current president of America is one who's had to go to the lengths of actually producing his birth certificate just to prove he's an American. Like, I think Jordan, I don't think he's in any way tarnished by the gambling. I mean, look, Barkley gambled away an absolute fortune, but at the end of the day, Barkley's you know, lovable and cuddly and nobody says a word. Barkley threw people through, you know, bar windows. Yeah, I remember and, that. And and he didn't he didn't get half the shit that Jordan got. But, you know, it, I think a lot of it with Jordan, there was a lot of bitterness towards him. There was a lot of people who were just jealous of, of you know, how successful he was. And fair enough, the point about him being an asshole, but I don't think you can be that great without being a bit of an asshole. Leo Messi's, by all accounts, an asshole. Cristiano Ronaldo's, by all accounts, an asshole. A lot of people say LeBron James is an asshole. We we know that he froze out Kevin Love for quite a while um, when it looked like Love wasn't settling in Cleveland. LeBron's thing wasn't to embrace him. It was to tell him to either settle in or get out. And, you know, that's I think that's the toughness you've got to show. Kobe Bryant arguably the biggest asshole in the history of sport but you know i think the only one who wasn't was tim duncan but maybe he's just too boring to be an asshole yeah it's a caribbean that's it he's just too relaxed but there's something also to be said about about jordan with the fact that every one of the things that people do like to try to pull at him is and i'm going to really reference something here that i don't even that's questionable as whether it's said is his, his public appearance was so guarded, and a lot of it was on the advice of his agent, David Falk, who, you know, it, it, it should be mentioned in this conversation because David Falk yes. did so much to build the Jordan, the Michael Jordan marketing machine. Uh, one of the things that Jordan always did, though, was carefully guard his image. Uh, he didn't say very much about what he thought about certain things. Um, you know, 
athletes in America recently, especially uh, black athletes, have been more and more outspoken about what they think about social mm-hmm. issues in America. And, you know, I'm, I'm not here to, to pass judgment as to whether or not I agree with it or not. If you follow me on Twitter, you probably know where I stand on these things. But Jordan's been very careful up until now in his early 50s, 20 years after he's re- 15 years, uh, 19 years after he's retired to finally do something. And even then it was donating to both police charities and local community charities. One of the things that he's very famous for saying is Republicans buy sneakers too. Now that's the thing where I don't know whether or not he did or didn't because nobody can actually sit there and produce a recording of whether or not it was said, but from knowing what's been guarded about his image and also the size of that marketing machine, it's one of those things that people will believe was said. Yeah, of course. It's the same with Alex Rodriguez. I mean, there's that's another guy who marketed himself very much like Jordan. You know, the always it, you know meticulously dressed, very careful in what he said, never took a like a hard line on anything. And people will believe anything about Alex Rodriguez. Now, you tell people that Alex Rodriguez kicks puppies at home in his house, and people will believe it because they just don't like the guy. I've um, started rumors like that about Alex Rodriguez. So, yeah, but, <laughs> you know, but but that's the thing. And, and you will always find people that will believe that kind of stuff just because there's that perception about him. It's the same about Jordan. But, I mean, you, you remember going back a couple of months, maybe about six months ago, Jordan came out with a statement after one of the, uh, one of the killings and everybody stopped to listen to what Jordan had to say. And as Justin said, he doesn't make these statements very often. But when he has something to say, he everybody stopped to listen. And it was noted how important it was for that guy, that figure, that influential man, to say something on this matter. If he has something to say on it, we all need to sit up and notice. But, I mean, you mentioned David Falk, Justin, and, like, obviously deserves huge credit for... Um, for what he was, you know, what he did with Jordan. But let's not forget, that guy retired pretty much in his prime as an agent because of Jordan, because he was oh, yeah. making so much money, and he's still making so much money because he's still Jordan's representative, and he's still got all those ties to all those deals he did for Jordan years ago. So, you know, it, that's one of those mutually beneficial things where he saw the potential of Michael Jordan really early, and he dedicated his working life to bettering Michael Jordan's life and got the, res- the you know the rewards that he he got for it. And like you say, massive credit to David Falk. But I mean, like it's funny with Jordan because you know you hear about him being an asshole and stuff, but you, then you hear other stories about you know what a nice guy he could be, and if if you're in his inner circle, you know how, how generous he can be and things like that, and. um like, but but the thing that always got me was that he just carried himself with, like, just supreme confidence. Like, there's a story about uh, the they were playing, they were in Washington playing what was the Bullets now the Wizards, and uh, he walks up. The bullet the Bullets players have come back in from shoot around, and Jordan walks up in a suit with a cigar pregame, smoking a cigar, walks up. So which one of you guys is guarding me tonight? And um, they all point to Calbertini. And he just pats him on the shoulder and says, sorry, and walks inside. And, like, he just had that about him that he just he knew he was great. And, like, Larry Bird had that as well, and Magic had it. And that's it's just something that's ingrained in, in great players. Like, you can go across any sport. Like, Tom Brady knows he's great. You know, like, Mike Trout knows he's great. Mike Trout might be the guy with the ability and the potential marketability. Not to become a Jordan-level star, but to do for baseball some of what Jordan did. Now, baseball's obviously a lot harder because there's you know so many variables, so many more players, etc., etc. It's much harder to win in the way that Jordan won in baseball, but you know he's one guy that maybe could you know take that quantum leap because... He's, what, 25 maybe? And he's already been talked about as maybe the greatest player of all time at that age. Yeah, he's a phenomenal he, player. You know, crazy. Phenomenal. So if I say Michael Jordan legacy, Justin, what do you think when I, when I say that to you? What's your initial reaction? 
I, I think of Michael Jordan's legacy as it, it, it's it, it's a two, it's a twofold thing. It's when you have to look at where he is within his particular sport, the NBA. He's the greatest player in in the history of the NBA. But then also when you have to look at what his legacy is from a wider world, like uh, as a cultural icon, and especially as and I don't want to say less as a cultural icon and more as a marketing icon because that's really where I think Jordan is. Michael Jordan's worth one point two four billion dollars. That's the most of any. That's the most of any athlete. He's the second richest black man on earth. Uh, from 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 a, from that perspective, he is a massive massive marketing icon. So it's the, it's the mix of perfect timing for him for the athleticism with the explosion of television marketing things like you know as, as mentioned earlier Gatorade, McDonald's, the Come Fly with Me videos that came out every single summer that you wanted, the you know M- NBA Jam as a video game having him in like one of the later iterations of it, Space Jam the movie, Space Jam yes, Jam. I mean, the remake. He, yeah, he hosted Saturday Night Live he. He's yeah. gone so beyond just being a basketball player. But as a basketball player, one of the nicest things anybody ever said about him was Larry Bird in uh, a game with him, which Michael Jordan scored 63 points in a playoff game, still an NBA record. He's the most awesome player in the game. I just think it's God disguised as Michael Jordan. Yeah. And that's Larry Bird saying that. Yeah. That's, like we said, a, a top five, top ten best ever. Guy saying that, who like, had that amount of respect for a guy, it's yeah. it's it's as if, you know, like you said, it's a great player saying that. That's as if it's Jordan, and then everybody else, and yeah. that's and that's the way it is. So if I if I say to you, Dave, Jordan legacy, what's the first thing that pops in your head? Am I wrong to say the crying Jordan memes? Um, no, but like, there's another thing. Like, everybody knows who that face is. Even people that have no idea about basketball, they know who that guy is. And like, it just it's it's everything. From like, as a player, it's just that un unstoppable will to win, like win at all costs. And as Justin mentioned, this marketing machine and. You know, he's a corporate entity in one man. And it's it's phenomenal. Like, you know, the first ever person to make a billion dollars, first ever athlete to make a billion dollars. Like, that's, it just, it blows your mind. When people used to talk about Tiger Woods and how he would do it. And, like, he never got there. He won't get there because of, you know, different things, but... Jordan stopped playing. Now, you know, I know he played for Washington. We, we won't talk about that. But Jordan stopped playing in 1998 for all intents and purposes. And now he's making, you know, 10 times more money than any player because he did things that nobody else has been able to do. He turned his ability to dunk a basketball into, you know, this incredible brand because of the Jumpman logo, which is the most unnatural logo. And Jordan himself said it was nearly impossible to actually do, but it just looked cool in the drawing. Just like it, it's incredible what he's been able to accomplish on and off the court. On the court, he's the best we'll ever see. And off the court, I think he's the smartest we'll ever see in any sport because of what he's been able to build for himself. You know, he's got the Jordan brand. He's got all these other, you know, investments that he's made very cleverly over the years. And, of course, he owns the, the Charlotte Bobcat, Charlotte Hornets now, where the Bobcats. But, you know, how many players that we see now are going to be able to become majority owners? None. None of them. Not one. You know, no. Ke- Kevin Garnett has made more money from playing basketball than any player in the history of the NBA. And at most, he could maybe buy a 20% stake in an NBA franchise. Yeah. Yeah, that's right. All right. So I've done three of these pods so far. I loved every one of them, and I like to do a little question. I wasn't going to say anything. I don't like to tell my guests beforehand, but I'm going to ask you guys one question. You both answer, and then you can debate amongst yourselves. So I'll start with you, Just. Who, and it's, it's the only players you've seen in your lifetime. You can't use Wilt Chamberlain. We all know how old each other are who are the top five players 
you've seen. It doesn't have to be center forward. You can it could be any could be five guards if you want to. It doesn't have to be an actual starting five team. Who are your top five players that you've ever seen? Michael Jordan, Tim Duncan, Allen Iverson, LeBron James, and Kobe Bryant. Dave? Uh, um, Michael Jordan, obviously. Tim Duncan, for sure. I'm going to say Kevin Garnett, because I saw his entire career. LeBron, an AI. Yeah, I really love the fact that both you guys put AI in there, because that's my... AI for me is the most exciting player, and I want to do one of these legends pods with the two of you guys on AI. Yeah, I would love to do that. He's like one of, one of my. He is my favorite basketball player. He is the most exciting player I've ever seen, and Jordan, absolutely like, fearless. Yeah, yes. and like, but he had he had that, that same mentality as Jordan, and to be really clear, like a lot of the stuff that. AI got criticized for like the going out late at night and all that kind of thing and you know been up all night before games Jordan used to do that all the time as well uh, it's rumored that the uh, the flu game was actually really a hangover the hangover oh, yeah. game yeah you know there's all this talk about when when the the dream team went to Barcelona that Jordan would go out to late come back play cards all night get up go play golf practice then go play golf again and then go play a game the guys didn't know when he slept. And that's the thing. He was just so driven to do what he wanted and live every day the way he wanted that he was just, he was a man possessed. Yeah, no, you're absolutely right. But before we end, Justin, you have any plugs? No, I actually, for, for once, I actually have very little to plug. I mean, if anybody has a chance to, uh, and you haven't listened to it yet, Myself and Armando Angulo were joined by Sam Cox from Fresh Saints to preview the first leg of our League Cup semifinal against Southampton. So give it a listen if, if you so choose. Otherwise, uh, seventh inning stretch will eventually be back as soon as Armando and I can find a normal recording time again where we're both at a computer. Nice. What about you, Dave? Oh, I have loads. Um, okay, so tomorrow I'm recording... Um, Total Football with Steve Gennaro. That was our radio show during the MLS season, but our contract is only during the season. So for the off season, we're going to do some podcasts. Um, I'm recording the committee podcast with Leroy and I am doing the Premier League roundtable, the EPL roundtable with Kevin DeVries at some point as well. Nice, man. So you have a full boat of pods coming up. Yep. Cool. Um, It'll keep Gags happy because he's normally not very happy with me because I don't do it very much, but um, I thought I'd make an effort this week. I can imagine him blowing up your phone just about every other day or probably every other minute. That's Um, what he does. Yeah, I'm sure he does. So, all right, guys, for me, not a whole lot. Um, I did a lot of the comic book articles for the AI Comic Pod. Uh, I haven't did one in a little bit. Um, I do have two little kids, and my son is actually sleeping through the night now, which is nice. So I don't have to write at 2, 3 a.m. But on that note, thank you, everybody, for listening. We'll hope to get these out as fast as I can with great guests like these guys who know everything about Michael Jordan um, and many other sports. But again, thanks for listening, and I'll see you at episode four. should celebrate yourself every day but some days you should celebrate with jewelry whether you want to commemorate an unforgettable moment or just bring some added sparkle to your collection blue nile can offer you expert guidance and a wide assortment of jewelry of the highest quality at the best price go to blue today and experience the ease and convenience of shopping blue nile the original online jeweler since 1999 that's blue nile.com blue nile.com 
I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High-quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.